0: During Jesus's earthly ministry, he found himself being opposed, misunderstood, even hated, and people wanted to kill him. But in all that, in all that unbelief, there was in the midst of that belief by some. In our day today, we find much of the same situation. There's a lot of people who misunderstand who Jesus is. They have opposition, even hate Christians. But in the midst of all that unbelief and opposition, through our study of the Gospel of John, perhaps we also will find belief. I encourage you to continue your study of the Gospel of John. Come and explore with us. We're going to continue our study of the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, and as I constantly say, you should, please turn to John chapter 7. We'll start with verse 1. Now, Jesus's ministry was not an easy one. We know the conclusion and then the final victory. But Jesus', if you will, popularity and his followers fluctuate. We took a look when he was teaching And he had a hard statement or a difficult statement. And many of his disciples departed from him because they didn't understand the teaching. And as I constantly say, if you don't understand what somebody's teaching, ask the teacher, not the students. But that's what they did. They continued to ask each other and therefore had no understanding. But as Jesus is teaching and as he's proclaiming himself the son of God and that God had the father had directed him to come and to teach. He got opposition and ridicule. People wanted to oppose him. They thought he was leading people astray and people wanted to kill him. And so we're going to see that because of this, he was primarily ministering at this point in the province of Galilee. He wasn't going to Judah because that's where the leaders of the Jews were. And that's where they wanted to, to kill him. And so in chapter seven, verse one, it says, and after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee or he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booth was near now. The, Feast of, the Booth, Feast of Booth is one of seven holy days for the Jews. There's um, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and then there's Pentecost. And then in the fall, there was Rosh Hashanah, or the blowing of the trumpets, which I believe Friday or Saturday was that Jewish celebration. And then there was the Day of Atonement which is in the, coming, uh, I believe, next Monday. And then there was a holy day called the Feast of Booths of Shakot. And what this was, where the people were to come to Jerusalem, there were three times out of the seven that the men, if at all possible, were to come to Jerusalem. It was Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths. And the Feast of Booths was to celebrate the kingdom and the dwelling of the messiah with his people and so it was a an event looking forward to to that kingdom and they would if you will create boost they would create uh, palm branches and other types of trees as a tent if you will and they would uh, live outside in these uh, created. Uh, booths during this time. The interesting thing was the Feast of Booths is so important that during the Millennial Kingdom the, the, the prophecy says that if the nations don't go to Jerusalem during the Feast of Booths, they won't receive rain. And so God takes the Feast of Booths seriously not only during the Old Testament times and not only during the times of Jesus, but even during the Millennial Kingdom. And so the Feast of Booths was near. Therefore, his brothers said to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. So they are telling him, well, if you are the son of God, if you are the Messiah, then show up publicly and proclaim it. Because this is the time when the Messiah would have the kingdom. And they're saying these things. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, sow yourself to the world. They are, in essence, ridiculing him. As we're going to see in the next verse, for not even his brothers were believing in him. He had a family relationship with his brothers, and his brothers didn't believe who he was. Which I find very interesting, because... Their mother birthed Jesus as a virgin. If anyone should be able to tell the family what's going on, it should be Mary. But again, just because you're in a family of believers doesn't make you a believer. It's individual. It's a relationship that you have. Now, fortunately, at least two of these brothers will, after the resurrection, become believers, and that's James and Jude. We don't know about others. Our Catholic brothers and sisters say that Mary was a virgin and she remained a virgin. Well, this, this scripture makes no sense if he didn't have a brother. And there's later going to be a scripture where it talks about his brothers and sisters. And so his family ridicules him. And if you just kind of take a look at it in our lives, when your family doesn't love you or trust you or believe in you, then that hurts. It's one thing when the world doesn't care. But when your family ridicules you, that's a tough pill to swallow. So his his brothers would say, eh, and I, so, so go and, and do these things. Without a care, as the scripture just said, the Jews were seeking to kill him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. And again, he says something that we should impart. We always want somebody else to do something when we should be doing God's will all the time. Again, it's interesting. Well, you should start this ministry. Well, what about you? What are you going to do? And so Jesus says, there's an opportune time for you to do these things. And he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it because its deeds are evil. Now, The time during Jesus' time, they hated him because he said when he teaches and when he preaches, he's teaching differently, and they hate him. He will later tell us, if we follow him, the world will hate us. And you can see that true even in today's culture. You can have any crazy opinion or belief you want. Except that Christian believe. Well, let me back up. You can believe in Christ, just don't share it. Keep your faith to yourself is what the world tells you. Everybody else can give their opinion with a megaphone, but we are supposed to keep our faith high because the world understands that its deeds are still evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to the feast because my time has not yet fully come. Jesus is saying there is a time when it's going to be appropriate for me to make a public entrance into Jerusalem, but not now, because now my time has not yet come. My sacrifice will not be during the Feast of Booth. It will be during Passover. So he tells them, I'm not going to publicly go. Now, this statement is going to confuse us in the next verse. Having said these things to them, he stayed in in Galilee. So he holds off. The family goes to Jerusalem, but he still stays in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in Well, he told his brothers he wasn't going, but now, well, he wasn't going publicly. And he didn't want to go with his family because they were going to make it public. So he enters into Jerusalem privately because his time has not yet come. And so he's not going to make a public appearance. But he, I, I hate saying this, because I am in no way like Jesus. But I can identify sometimes because there are times I've gone to like Bible studies or other things and will swear to myself that I'm just going to sit there and say nothing. And then they do something stupid. And then I violate all my and I start talking. But we're going to see. So it goes. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and we're saying, where is he? because they're thinking he's, because he's the Messiah, the Son of God, he's going to show up publicly, and so they're looking for him, but they're going, well, wait a minute, he's not being here publicly. And there was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, he is a good man. And others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads people astray. So again, we see this misunderstanding of who he is. He's more than just a good man. And no, he's not leading people astray. He's leading them to the truth. But they're grumbling, arguing amongst themselves about who he is. And again, that's in today's world. We'll have all kinds of people telling you about who Jesus is. They'll say he's a good teacher. And yet don't follow his teachings. And as if you've noticed, Throughout the book of John thus far, his main teaching is, I'm the son of God. I'm here. Believe in me. Well, if he's a good teacher, then accept his teaching. But everybody wants to say, oh, he's a good man. Oh, he's a good teacher. Then, if he is, follow him. Then others will say, no, he's not the Messiah. He's whatever. And our faith is is ridiculous and and weak, and and you need a crutch, and there's all kinds of discussion about who he is and whatever. And unfortunately, even certain denominations will water down his teaching or drop it. Or you'll have people say, well, Jesus didn't say that, and he didn't do this, and he didn't do that. So there's all these mixed opinions about who he is even to today yet no one was speaking of him for fear of the Jews they didn't want to be blacklisted if they if the leaders of the Jews found that they were talking about Jesus because Jesus in their eyes was in the in the Jewish leaders eyes was public enemy number 1 they wanted him dead well when it was now the midst of the feast Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. This is where I identify, although, like I said, I am nothing like you. And I freely admit that. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be worse than I am. But Jesus, even though they're seeking to kill him, goes into the temple and teaches. Because his ministry is to teach and lead people to God, to the Father. And so he teaches in the most public place you can think of, the temple where everybody is going. And the Jews then were astonished, saying, how has this man become alerted, having never been educated? I find this passage amusing because some of the dumbest people I've ever come across had major degrees. They may know their subject, but they have no clue about life, reality, and common sense. Some of the people I have been most impressed with are self Educate. Because they have a desire to learn as opposed to the effort to obtain a degree so they can make money. So they jump the hoops so they can get a piece of paper to say, I'm qualified to do this job. And then when they get the job, they have to be trained to do the job. And so they're saying, well, wait a minute. Jesus didn't go to our synagogues to learn he didn't go to our seminaries how is it that he teaches so effectively and knowledgeably because he was never quote-unquote educated so jesus answered them and said my teaching is not mine but with his who sent me let me give you a little secret The reason why Jesus was so educated and knowledgeable about the scriptures, because he wrote them. He, as God, communicated to the prophet, who then wrote down through the spirit, what God wanted to communicate to you and me. So, if I want to know something, and unfortunately he's no longer alive, but if I wanted to know something about criminal law, I would read Perkins on criminal law, because he was an expert who was an expert. Jesus is an expert on the scriptures because he wrote them and he lived them. Then he says, if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teachings of whether it's of God or whether I speak for myself. Jesus says, if you have a relationship with the Father, then you know whether I'm speaking the truth because you understand his will and what he's communicating. So when we come to read the Scriptures, when we come to study the scriptures, when we want to know more, then we should be asking God to lead us In that understanding. And that we have a relationship with him. And when we have a relationship with him. Then we will understand the scriptures better. So you will understand his grace. Because of who he is. You will understand. That yes he loves you. Not because you are special. But because he is. You will begin to understand. His mercy. And his justice. And that he is. Patient. Because if you are a committed believer and you see the world today, you're saying, Lord, come quickly. Because if you wait much longer, there ain't going to be nothing much to come to. And your question about will you find faith on the earth may come true because this world is just crazy. But we learn of him. Whether Jesus is the son of God or whether he truly did mislead the people. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. So he's telling them, look at the communicator, which is kind of a good thing for us. As I'm communicating the scriptures, Am I seeking to make myself look good? Or am I seeking to make him look good? If I'm seeking to make him look good, maybe you ought to listen to what I'm saying. If I'm seeking to make myself look good, maybe it's time to take a nap like most of you do. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Boy, that's a, if you will, a knife right into them because they are so proud of the fact that they follow the law. They don't do certain things on Saturday. They uh, wash multiple times a day. Uh, They don't say certain words because they're trying to follow the law. And Jesus is saying, you don't carry out the law. And yet you're trying to kill me. And the crowd answered, you have a demon who seeks to kill you. Well, they were afraid to speak of him because of the Jews. Jesus is, and it has been spoken of by the others that they want him dead. So he doesn't have a demon. He's speaking the truth. Jesus answered them, I did one, give me one deed, and you all marvel. You are all super impressed that I healed a man on a Sabbath. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. Now what he's saying is, circumcision for the Jew was incorporated into the law. So they were to circumcise a male child on the eighth day. But the law wasn't the original. The original was from Abraham. Abraham was told to be circumcised, to be shown uh, that he was different and that the Jews were to be circumcised. And As a matter of fact, as Moses was going to Egypt, all of a sudden his family got sick because he hadn't circumcised his son. And so they had to circumcise his sons and his wife, who wasn't a Jew, got mad when they did. And took the foreskins and threw it at him. Because. Fortunately for a baby. I'm not being a baby. It probably. At least you don't remember how much it hurt. When you're 13 plus. It's going to hurt. For a while. And so he says. Abraham was the one. Who originally started that God told him. And all of his followers. To be circumcised. And it was incorporated into the law of Moses. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? He's going, in order to not break the pre-law law, law, you will go ahead, if it's the eighth day, which happens to be a Saturday, a Sabbath, you go ahead and circumcise him because the law requires that but you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But certain things take precedent. He's saying, I made a whole man well on the Sabbath. I did good. Why are you condemning me? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteousness. He's saying, make sure you understand what the teachings are, not just the spirit, letter, but the spirit as well, who understand all that the law at Some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this man, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Well, wait a minute. I just thought they said, you have a demon who's seeking to kill you, and then they respond, isn't this the dude who they're seeking to kill? But a bunch of double-minded look he is speaking publicly and they are saying nothing to him the rulers do not really know that this is the Christ do they they're starting to say well maybe he is maybe they have been wrong and they're changing their opinion because they're not doing anything and maybe this is the Christ however we know where this man is from, but whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Well, two things, they are wrong. Because they think maybe he's from Nazareth, or maybe from Capernaum, but he wasn't from either places. He was from Bethlehem. The scriptures say that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So not only do they not understand who Jesus is and where he's from, they don't understand the Scriptures. Then Jesus cried out in the temple teaching and saying, you know both me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Well, it's obvious they don't know him because they aren't following the law. They're not following the scriptures. They're not following the spirit. They're not having a relationship with God. They don't know. And Jesus says, continue to say, I'm not here because I decided to come. I'm here because the Father sent me. And Jesus continues to say, and will continue to say, I'm here and I'm teaching what he wants me to say and do. unfortunately the crowd doesn't know him I know him because I am from him and he sent Jesus in the midst of opposition and hatred and threats on his life continues to teach who he is and what he's to do so again When people say, well, he's a good teacher, then our response should be, then follow his teaching. So they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. You see, God is in control. And it doesn't matter how many people are opposed to Jesus His hour is to come when his hour is set and not a minute earlier. So God protected Jesus through all this opposition and death threats, even though he is teaching publicly. Which should mean when we follow him and when people are opposed to us, then God will protect us until he's ready not to. Asked Stephen. He preached a wonderful sermon. At the end, they stoned him. Because his hour had come. So we are not to be fearful because God is in control. Here's the magnificence. But many of the crowd believed in him. And they were saying, when the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? In the midst of ridicule, his own family ridiculed him. In the midst of misunderstanding and opposition. In the midst of people seeking to kill Jesus. In the midst of all that unbelief comes belief. So, no matter how depressing and no matter how we may think the world won't hear us, in the midst of all that unbelief, if we stay true to the word, maybe many will believe in the midst of unbelief. You know, it's interesting. The church oftentimes grows, not when a nation is Christian. It oftentimes grows when there is persecution. There are millions of people turning to God in China, where you're not allowed to believe what we believe. And they believe and they worship in spite of the threats of jail, in spite of the threats of death, in spite of being placed in a re-education camp. The church is growing in places like this. And if they're growing in places like this, then as we sit comfortably here in our pews and as you're listening to me, on what wherever you are. If it's this amount of freedom, then why should we not proclaim who Jesus is? Because he has told us to be his witnesses, to be teaching. And making disciples and baptizing them and teaching all that he is commanded. Which means we need to know all that he is commanded so that we might teach. It is easy. Say tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. And kind of like, I'll start my diet tomorrow. I'll stop swearing tomorrow. I'll stop beating my wife tomorrow. We all put tomorrow on the agenda rather than saying, I'm going to start now. We experienced in our culture in, in, in this state just a couple of years ago that we weren't supposed to worship. You could go to Home Depot and come here. It always bothered me because I'm going, so you're thinking that the workers at Home Depot care more about their client. than the church cares about its brothers and sisters? So we did something against the law, we worshiped anyway. Because we're supposed to obey God and not men. Now, in the next week or so, I might get arrested for admitting that. But I do have a constitutional right to worship. But even if they take that constitutional right away, we're still going to worship. We're still going to be like Daniel. When prayer was outlawed, Daniel didn't start praying. He just continued to. We are going to be light in this area because we want belief in the midst of unbelief and we're going to take a stand on that and all God's people stand.